think so. Something about that chin. I know. You're Bruce Wayne, the boy billionaire. Hmm, unattached, I see. <laughs> May I help you, miss? Uh-oh, enter the jealous girlfriend. Hey, remember me? That big charity bash a few years back? The one the Joker robbed? I was the clown girl holding the gun on ya! Oh, don't worry. I'm over the crime thing, see? I'm rehabilitated and ready to live my life right. How nice for you. Goodbye. Gee, you make one little mistake and they never let you forget. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Netflixing Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Evans, and I'm joined by... Nobody. That's right, I'm going the next couple episodes alone in a masturbatory oral journey through two episodes of the greatest animated show ever produced, Batman the Animated Series. Steve Hasse and Ryan Ratzloff will be indisposed for the next couple of episodes as they're currently engaged in a 14-day tantric all-male orgy, so I thought this might be a fun change of pace. But that's not the only reason these episodes are special. It's also because this will be a mashup with my other current venture, Batman the Animated Blog. My almost kind of sort of weekly blog that dissects individual episodes of Batman the Animated Series. So when you're done listening to my sweet dulcet tones here, you can cruise on over there to my Tumblr blog. Uh, The link will be posted in the episode description. And read my take on the show in literary form. This week's episode will be Harley's Holiday, Season 3 ep that deals with Joker's favorite henchwoman slash love interest, kind of love interest. It's kind of an abusive relationship. It's not really healthy. She should think about getting out of that. Just saying. Anyway, her uh, Joker's favorite henchwoman slash love interest, Harley Quinn's attempt to break her criminal ways. If you'd like to watch the episode along with me, the series is available in its entirely... Entirely? In its entirety, currently on Amazon Prime and various DVD and Blu-ray box sets. So go ahead, set the episode up on whichever device you may be using, and we'll get started. Go ahead and press play right now, or right now, as Steve Hassey would say. Sorry, he's not here right now, so I had to fill in his obligatory joke. Uh, first thing you're going to notice about this episode is that it goes right into the, not new, but the different version of the uh, animated opening. We all remember the classic Batman, or at least every nerd out there remembers the classic Batman the Animated Series opening. The bank, the explosion, the two shadowy henchmen, the rooftop, Batman beating ass, and then the lightning strike with the title screen that... Famously lacks an actual title because Batman is a motherfucking Batman and doesn't need any titles. Uh, here, what we get is kind of a generic clip show, but it works. Uh, of course, they use the classic Batman theme, and uh, this, not, you know, not the classic, not the Adam West Batman theme. Uh, that's classic. That's terrible, too. Avoid that at all costs. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the Danny Elfman or the Shirley Walker theme, but it's a good theme. Evocative of Batman. Very cool. And it leads right into our title card, which I think this might be one of the best title cards that was ever produced for the animated series. Usually they go for something a little more uh, oblique, a little more uh, around the edges of whatever the subject is, but this one's pretty much straight up Harley Quinn in your face in a very snappy designer outfit with her two signature hyenas as pets. 
And uh, of course, the episode is written by Boy, I'm an Australian all of a sudden, by Paul Dini, one of the best Batman writers. I was going to say one of the best Batman the animated series writers, but let's just be honest, one of the best Batman writers of all time. And I do believe, I was too busy yapping to myself, that this episode is directed by Kevin Altieri, who, uh, if you're familiar with the show at all, you know his name pops up uh, a good bit. Uh, and he's a good director, solid. It's one of those things, like, you watch The Twilight Zone, you know that if you see Richard Matheson's name pop up, you're in for a good episode. And you get a twofer here. You know that you got Paul Dini, you know that you get Kevin Altieri, and it's focused around Harley Quinn, who we all love. Let's be honest. Like, y- y'all know how I feel about the current slate of DC movies. But the one thing I can say, it looks like they're getting kind of right. It looks like Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn's probably going to be pretty cool. I'm not saying, not going back on anything I've said before. I Suicide Squad uh, stands. Uh, I- I'm more optimistic about that one than I am uh, Batman v Superman. Horror, dawn of a horrible title, but uh, yeah, she looks promising in that flick. That's all I'll say. That's not a judgment call on the movie. I don't know how that'll turn out. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't. Let's let's hope for good, because you know, why not? Who wants a bad movie? Anyway, I love the uh, level of uh, cartoonishness. I guess the lunacy that we get in this episode and I think that's a hallmark of how great this show really is that you can actually look at something that is uh, exaggerated and really feel how out there it is Uh, this show is a very dark show uh, and you know people like to look back at it in hindsight myself included as being perfect like there's nothing wrong with the show it's an amazing show and for the most part that's right but there are things you have to forgive as you get older. Uh, plot points that, because it's a show uh, from adults, writing for adults, but having to put it through a children's filter, there are things that don't get set up or things that you just need to accept and go with. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you gotta take the entertainment for what it is. And it's not like everything's on one scale. Uh, I put this up against Christopher Nolan's Derek Knight trilogy, which I think, outside of the comics themselves, which we all know is the source material, that's your middle, that's your base ground. Uh, outside of the comics themselves, I put that as the best representation of Batman ever produced. I do not think it'll be topped, uh, at least not anytime soon. Uh, again, y'all know how I feel about what Zack Snyder did to Man of Steel, so... It's nothing shocking to know that I really don't hold much hope for what he's going to do with Batman. Though I do think uh, I was one of the few people, uh, and I've talked about this before, I'm sure, but I was one of the few people that didn't hate Ben Affleck being cast. I think he's much uh, more fit to play Batman than he was to play Daredevil. He looks the part. He's got the, the jaw. He's got the, the physique. He's older, uh, which I think we could use because we spent so much time with the young Batman it's going to be cool to have a seasoned Batman. It would be cooler to have that seasoned Batman in the hands of somebody else. More talented than Zack Snyder, but whatever. We'll see how it turns out again. I keep harping on that. Let's focus on the positive. Let's focus on this fantastic episode with this breakout character. As we all know, Harley Quinn. 
was created for the animated series by Paul Dini. And uh, Paul Dini has a great feminist streak in him. Uh, He's always created great female characters, and the female characters that have already existed that he's handled, he's done very well. And we even get one here that's just a throwaway character. I, I could be wrong, but I don't believe she shows up in anything else. Miss Veronica Friedland, who uh, in a few moments here, after Harley snaps in her uh, attempt uh, to go straight, kidnaps, the woman actually turns out to, you would think she would be just like a side character, uh, someone that is there in the background is of no consequence, and she kind of is, but... They take the chance to inject her with a lot of personality. Uh, and they do the thing that they kind of always do with Harley Quinn. Where even if she's kidnapping someone, even if she's robbing someone, or if she's partnering with someone like Poison Ivy to pull off heinous acts, she always kind of bonds with whoever she's like assaulting, basically, which is kind of hilarious. They, she's just lovable. It's a lovable character. And uh, it's actually cool in this episode to see her away from the Joker, because usually it's a package deal. You know, you get Mario, you get Luigi. If you get the Joker, you generally get Harley Quinn. But this one is uh, might be the only instance where Harley Quinn is free of the Joker. She's acting independently. She's uh, trying to reform herself, which is uh, funny, because that's a recurring theme in the animated series of villains trying to go straight. Uh, the other example I can think of is the Riddler, uh, Edward Enigma, who, uh, of course, it was, turns out it's all a sham, but in another very memorable episode, he uh, puts on the charade of going straight, uh, which is funny, because here, Harley actually legitimately is trying to go straight. The problem, of course, is that she's psychotic, which is kind of a thing. I, don't get me wrong, I'm not a Nazi. I do believe that you know, if someone knocks over a liquor store, they can be rehabilitated to the point where they won't knock over another liquor store because they learned their lesson, they know it's wrong. But I honestly don't think there's any kind of rehabilitation for extreme psychosis, especially psychosis that drives you to dress up in clown makeup with a giant hammer and uh, helping at least commit murders. Which, uh, it's funny because, you know, being this as a kid's show, they don't get into that too much. Uh, there's nothing lethal about the Joker. Of course, it's implied, but uh, it's not so much shown. Uh, and that's what I actually like about Harley Quinn in turn, is that uh, it looks like now in the comics and in the movies, they're probably going to take her to a homicidal degree. But I think one of the things that you need to keep that love uh, of the character, and even to make the character more complex, is that she herself isn't violent. She, uh, well, she is violent, but she's not murderous. She's an accomplice to murder. Uh, the Joker, of course, is a wild dog, as uh, you might have heard before. He's nuts. He has no empathy. He has no conscience. Uh, and the only thing that drives him is making his next murder funnier to him than the last murder. Uh, which, of course, is a fucking fantastic character in its own right. I mean, I, I think I've said it before. One of the things that I love about Batman so much is that Batman and his villain, in my mind, in any medium, are the greatest creations ever. Bar none. Anything else. I love James Bond. I love The Simpsons. I love 
this, I love that. But these two characters, to me, are the best pure characters ever created for any medium of all time. Uh, so I don't even know how I got on that. Uh, I was talking about Harley Quinn. Uh, but that's what makes Harley Quinn complex is that she herself isn't murderous. The Joker's murderous. And she's accomplished that. And it's kind of more fucked up. It makes her a little more sympathetic because you're wondering, why is she hanging out with this guy? Why is she so desperately in love with a homicidal clown that has done nothing but manipulate her from the start? And I gotta admit, I was kind of on the fence about what I was gonna do for episode 62 of the podcast, but I think I gotta follow it up with more Harley Quinn. I mean, I've famously, or not so famously, uh, in the, I believe, nine... Uh, entry blog run that I've had so far, I've neglected Harley Quinn completely. I've dealt with some of the just episodes that have either called out to me while I've been scrolling through Amazon or episodes that I've had a, I've had a soft spot for uh, from childhood. But for some reason, I just overlooked her. Uh, and when I was looking for a subject that I felt like I could talk about the uh, alone... Uh, the character that popped up was Harley Quinn, just because you, you see the love that the creator has for his creation. Paul Dini, his voice that uh, you get from the best episodes of Batman animated series that you get from his short run on Detective Comics, which I highly recommend. If you want to read the comic book version of Batman the animated series, read his run. Uh, he takes him into the grittier... It's kind of, it's the show without the restrictions, without the uh, desire to put the childhood filter on it, and without the desire to uh, force Robin in, uh, which this season of the show uh, really went out of its way to do. And that's not a bad thing. I, I've uh, The last podcast we did was the Batman and Robin podcast, and I mentioned it on there. But Robin, for me, even as a child, has always been a character that was problematic for me. Um, I don't... The general consensus from a lot of fans seems to be that Batman is psychotic. I don't believe that. I think that makes the character too simplistic. It makes him uninteresting. Uh, certain writers definitely have gone that direction. Frank Miller, most notably, in The Dark Knight Returns. I'm sorry, I don't care how you spin it. In that fucking book, he's a nut job. Uh, fucking... Uh, in a lot of Frank Miller's work, but in Batman too, uh, vaguely pedophilic uh, nut job. Uh, I'm sorry, but like I love The Dark Knight Returns as much as the next guy, but it's problematic in spots. I'm sorry, but a female Robin hugging a naked Bruce Wayne, fucking an inch from his crank, is a little too too much. Uh, it makes you wonder what's up with uh, Frank Miller because I mean I know it's been said that he based the stripper character Nancy from Sin City off of his niece. Which, uh, yeah, is fucked up. And you know what? I don't want to know. I don't want to have that ruined for me. I think I was talking about that before on the podcast. You know, yeah, I was actually with uh, Tom Cruise and his um, shocking uh, apathy towards slave labor. Uh, I don't want to know the nitty-gritty details of people whose work I admire because a lot of times it turns out they're fucked up like I was just reading recently that uh, Jen Kirkman who's a like C-level stand-up uh, was saying that Louis C.K. made some inappropriate uh, passes at her and uh, I believe it he seems like uh, I'm wrong he's a genius but I can totally see that going 
in a Bill Cosby direction. Uh, and uh, I'm actually kind of waiting for the day when that pops out that, yeah, he's probably a creep. But until then, I'm going to enjoy the guy's comedy because, let's face it, he's funny as fuck. So, sorry, water break. So, how did I get on that subject? Frank Miller. Yes, Batman. I don't think Batman's crazy. Uh, I think that, as you can see, Gotham City is fucking terrible. I I don't know if anybody here has played. I, I think I got the best sense of that in both The Dark Knight Rises, where the entire city was turned into a fucking war zone, or as in, uh, especially in Arkham Knight, the most recent Batman game, where you literally hit the point where you're just like, why the fuck is anybody trying here? Like, seriously, just leave. Abandon this ship. This is, there's nothing to save here. I mean, in the comics, in the No Man's Land story arc, they the government literally does that. The government says, fuck it, and lets them be. The earthquakes sever Gotham City off from everybody else and deal with it because you're all terrible, homicidal, ruthless pieces of shit and y'all deserve each other. Which is kind of, if this shit were real, don't get me wrong, I love watching this, but if this shit were real, that's the vibe I would take. I'd just be like, fuck Gotham. Like, I take that way with Detroit. Detroit, the real life Gotham. I'm like, fuck it. I ain't going down there. I don't need to worry about it. It's on the upswing. That's what I keep hearing. I'll go up there, I guess, when I I feel like I'm not going to get shanked. Anyway... Uh, what I was talking about earlier as far as like this episode being cartoonish, uh, it's very evident with uh, the Vicky Freeland's father, his character is an outright general, chasing Harley down in a tank on his own. Uh, I'll just say it, it's stupid, but there's so many dark episodes of the animated series that when you get something that's out and out comedic like this, again, this is something... You gotta look through the filter. You gotta give it a break. It's through the children's cartoon colored glasses. We're letting it go. Uh, if you can get past it, it's funny. It, it works on the absurdity level that this episode's going for. And uh, it's kind of funny because like there's a, you can tell how much work went into this animation. Uh, recently, there was another animated show called Beware the Bat. Uh, I think it was short-lived. I don't think it's still going. Uh, I checked it out. It was okay for what it was. It's just the problem I'm running into more and more with uh, the animation that is coming out. Uh, aside from the the one area DC is rocking it, that I will admit, is our straight-to-DVD animated features that are flat-out trying to be PG-13 and up. And I think that for... Uh, older audiences for uh comics are very much part of the zeitgeist now it's okay to be an adult and like that for the adult set uh that's where you go for the quality animation because the stuff they're producing for kids these days isn't cutting it uh the beware the bat was fine but it was fine for seven-year-olds and you know there's a lot of things like that that are out nowadays that or reboots or remakes or revisits of things from when we were kids, but they're not directed for us anymore. They're for the next generation, most notably something like Girl Meets World. Uh, as you all know, fucking love Boy Meets World. It's in the same vein as The Wonder Years, just like those fantastic coming-of-age shows that you know, hit you when you were a kid and you grew up with. Uh, but now, of course, they have Girl Meets World, which is a Disney Channel joint, which... Yeah, it's just not for you anymore. It's now for the 11-year-old tween set. You can't watch it. 
so the same thing is kind of happening to DC. It, it, well, Marvel animation is just outright terrible. Let's just be honest. It's kind of shocking. It's it's I, I don't understand seeing as how they're owned by Disney, one of the greatest animation, the greatest animation company of all time. Why we aren't getting good animated Marvel stuff? Uh, it just does. I I don't get it. Um, so DC does have them beat there, and uh, this was the OG uh, show. This, I I think without this show, we'd see a much different landscape even now. Like. They were allowed to be dark. They were allowed to deal with uh, psychosis and emotional trauma and heavy subjects for kids. And they, they made it so a kid could watch it and get an understanding of what was happening. Like here, we have Harley Quinn's unstable. And as a six-year-old, you understand that. But rather than making her out out villain, you're sympathetic towards her. She really did, in her own psychotic mind, give it her best shot as far as being good. She wanted to just have a normal life with her and her hyenas. Uh, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it works in the context of the show. She just wanted to live a normal existence. She didn't want to be bothered. She didn't want to be chased by a dude that dresses up like a fucking bat. She didn't want to... One of the few episodes where she does not want to be around the Joker. She clearly wants to get her life back on track. She wants to go back to being the psychiatrist she was before she snapped, which is brilliant, by the way. And I, we will get onto that on the next episode because I, I have to talk about that one. It's fantastic. But, uh, yeah, just she's a great character, and uh, you you really feel sympathetic towards her. Uh, there are a lot of layers there, and I think that's a lot for... This was 1994, I was seven at the time. I think that's a testament to the show. That a seven-year-old can sit there and be entertained by it on just the pop level. But then beneath that, understand everyone's motivations and the shades of gray. This is a show that's very much responsible for the fact that I don't see things as black and white. There are good things in bad situations and there are bad things in good situations. And here you have Batman giving her the dress that she was... Uh, initially, uh, she thought she was being uh, assaulted by that security officer for stealing the dress. Really, just trying to get the security tag off. Uh, anyway, Batman got her the dress, which is a uh, gesture that is uncharacteristic of that character. But here it worked, so they earned they earned that uh, moment, and it's a very touching moment, especially when he tells her that I understand I had a bad day once too, which really kind of is like a gut punch, an emotional gut punch. Just those little reminders like that of the pain that drove a grown man to dress as a bat to become the best version of himself to fight crime. Uh, It's just a great way to end the episode, and and that it did. Uh, So there you go. There's episode 61 of the Netflixing podcast. I think it went okay. Uh, I rambled on for a little while for 22 minutes, but I, I think we got a pretty good episode in the can uh, let me know what you think about it you can hit us up on our netflixing page facebook.com slash netflixing you can check out my book eden available on amazon.com i'll put a link for that in the description as well and if you liked what you heard here uh check out the batman blog batman the animated blog i think you did it there are like nine entries so far there's gonna be more to come including this one and the next one uh, i do for episode 62 so yeah we'll see you next week 
we are going to do another Harley Quinn episode. Uh, I forget the episode title. Uh, Mad Love. We're going to do Mad Love because, come on, Bruce Tim, it's a classic. Uh, yeah, so we'll see you next week with Mad Love. And still, until then, and still then, and still then, I made up a word. And still then, stay flexing.